This is the Masonic Light Podcast featuring Pete Ruggieri and Larry Maris. A non-stuffy, somewhat humorous approach to understanding our craft. We guarantee you'll have a good time or your money back. This podcast is not endorsed or approved by the Grand Lodge or any jurisdiction. In fact, they'll probably hate it. And now, here's our host, Pete Ruggieri and Larry Maris. Good morning and welcome back to the Masonic Podcast. And I'm Pete Ruggieri and Larry Maris is here. Say hi, Larry. Yes, I am. Hi, Larry. And uh, we have a special guest with us today, uh, Jason Lewis. Um, we got Jason because he has an easy to say name. So that worked out really well for us. So uh, we're going to get a little more into Jason later, but Jason, feel free to chime in as we're talking. Uh, we kind of have a half-assed format that we do. So usually first thing we do is we kind of recap what we've been doing over the past week or so. So what do you, what do you have going on, Larry? Uh, do you want Masonic or personal? Uh, your personal life's a train wreck, so I, I, anything is good. <laughs> <laughs> well, Goose and Gridiron met and had a big breakfast again last Thursday. And uh, we, we discussed a lot of things and we accomplished a lot of things. Since all of us here are Goose and Gridiron members, didn't we? We did. It was great. <laughs> uh, okay. So that was the big news there. Uh, looking at, since we are expanding Goose and Gridiron, we're getting more people come to breakfast. We are choosing a different location uh, for next Thursday. And I'll put that out uh, for anybody that wants to come. And it doesn't matter if you're in Wilkes-Barre or Scranton. If you can make it here by 9 o'clock in the morning on Thursday, you're more than welcome. So that was it. Breakfast. Is that, is oh, that what you did last no, week? Was breakfast? No, no. I will say that uh, yesterday I drove over to uh, Schuylkill County uh, for an alumni reunion. It's almost my fifty-fifth actually high school reunion. Next year it will be, and uh, met a lot of old friends. Most of them Masons, by the way, and uh, we had a great time. Uh, one of the things that made me feel good was I was not the oldest one there. There were a lot of people way older than me that were attending yesterday. <laughs> Weren't you all the same age in the same class? Oh, uh, in the same class, it's true. But this oh, was okay. an alumni reunion. So was any graduate of the school for the past 40, 50 years. Well, that sounds just exciting. Yeah. Where did they stay at the um, the screen the screen door motel? Or uh, what's, what's no, going? it used to be the old uh, Milk Bar Motel, but that kind of went out of business. So they have to stay at Fort Indian Town Gap or Pottsville or Millersburg or wherever. Yeah. Sounds great. Well, the, the, the idea was we, we got there, the social hours from 2.30 to, to 4, and we ate dinner at 4, and we started leaving at 5.00. Because most of the people in residence in that Schuylkill County, Dauphin County area, essentially, they got to go home to milk the cows, and they want to be in bed by 7.30, so that's life where I came from. <laughs> well, thank you for the extra sound effects there, Larry. <laughs> we appreciate it. Um, so, Jason, do you have anything exciting going on this past week Masonically? Mm, Masonically? No, it's a pretty quiet week. Uh, Goose and Gridiron, and uh, we're working on a new pin. So we'll have more details to follow, but uh, working on a pin that anybody can purchase and maybe have some fundraising. Uh, you did have some that. personal stuff come up this past week, which I think is is not very Masonic, but it's <laughs> gosh darn interesting. <laughs> so, so what is your, tell us about your real job. Yeah, so by day I sell guitars. I work for 
uh, a small guitar company called S7G out of Ohio. I'm lucky enough to be related to the owner. It's my brother. And, uh, and I get to stay here, but I do have to occasionally travel. So I was in Atlanta and Anderson, South Carolina on uh, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Did you see any kind of Masonic type buildings or anything? I did. I saw what I believe was some pretty clandestine uh, uh, buildings, if you want to call it a building, but little ramshackle little buildings down in the, in the southern part of uh, Atlanta. But uh, I did reach out to one of the district deputies and got invited to go witness a rehearsal for the third degree by a Scottish Rite uh, Blue Lodge team. Uh, but that was impeded by my uh, uh, hotel hunt. So, yeah, uh, you had originally said you stayed at a, um, was it a Red Roof Inn? Well, yeah, I, I was there for about five minutes. So, um, so tell us about what happened. What happened to scare you off of the Red Roof Inn? So, you know, my smaller company, my travel budget isn't robust. And uh, to be respectful of the travel budget, I try to stay, uh, you know, in hotels that are economically responsible. So I booked everything except the hotel. I don't know Atlanta very well. I figured I would get down there and talk to some of the guys in the music stores. What's a good, you know, good area. So I found an area that appeared to be pretty well. And I get to my Red Roof Inn, and I think it was like Norcross area of Atlanta. I'm just pretty far out there. Start loading in, and I get my luggage, my book bag, all loaded in. I'm about to load in, you know, $8,000 worth of guitars into the hotel room. And I have a gentleman, if you want to call him that, come up to me and, and start mumbling. And I immediately know that he's asking for change, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I can barely understand him. So I say, what are you, what are you, what are you asking? I don't, I don't understand what you're asking me. And finally, he says to me, listen, man, I don't know if you're gay or straight, but I need some money. <laughs> and I immediately said, oh, okay. And, uh, well, we were joking at uh, breakfast this morning that I should have told him that uh, his Grand Lodge doesn't appreciate that. <laughs> but, instead, <laughs> but instead, sorry, Georgia, uh, but instead I, uh, I said, no. So 20 know, bucks is 20 bucks, right? 20 so. bucks is 20 bucks, and I did not pay the 20 bucks. Oh, okay. I just went into my room, locked the door, and called my wife, who said, you should have gone for it. <laughs> and, uh, and, I, and I promptly packed my stuff back up in the car, and I left, and I called the front desk from down the street and got my money back. So That's nice. Plus, you know, everybody now knows how many guitars you have in your room and Right, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, so. You, you know, if he was, I didn't want to, you know, go downtown. So I missed the degree or the degree rehearsal, but I didn't want to go down there and, you know, come back to my room and find my guitars are missing and a stranger in my bed. Mm -hmm. Oh, so. wonderful. Yeah. I, I had nothing. I had like nothing of Masonic um, goings on. Yesterday I was at a uh, Kentucky Derby bar crawl, which is very uh, short, but it's, I guess it's the first of the three races. So it's going to be the shortest of the three bar crawls um yeah nothing really exciting i am a member of the honorable order of kentucky colonels i believe you are too yeah just yeah. so um i did wear my uh my colonel sanders bow tie a string tie said to let everybody know to respect my authority and um that's it i had some other other bitching and moaning this week i can talk about i'll talk about later when we get to uh your when we talk about secretaries but uh I think we'll hold off on that. So, Larry, do you have anything else before we go to a short break and come back with our official guest? Uh, actually, no, I don't, Pete. I'm studying the agenda here, and I'm still stuck on something. So, no, yeah, I'm I don't, I don't want to get you too far off your 18-break agenda. <laughs> All right, so uh, we're going to go for a quick break here, and we'll come back with Jason Lewis and talk about uh, Freemasonry, Millennials, and, um, and Participation Ribbons. The Masonic Light Podcast is sponsored by MasonicScarves.com, home of unique Masonic-themed soccer scarves. 
Our scarves aren't printed. All of the artwork is knitted into the design. We can also do custom-made designs featuring your local lodge or commemorating an event. These make a great gift for visitors, members, or for fundraising. Visit our website at MasonicScarves.com and click on the Shop Now button to see our full catalog. At checkout, use code PODCAST and you'll get $5 off per scarf. www.MasonicScarves.com Okay, we're back. Uh, so we, Larry made it back from his first bathroom break, so we're all happy. Um, now's the point where he wants to try and beg for money. <laughs> he sounds like Sally Struthers with like a couple of pencils here asking for a Masonic uh, sales. But if you do want to ever be on the show, we'd be happy to put your commercial on the show. We've got a voiceover guy that works for $5. So it's uh, it's cheap, and not only that, you're you're a Freemason, and you've got some interesting stories that you can tell. We'll not only do your advertising for you at a at a cost, of course, but we'll invite you on the show, and you get the best of all worlds. And like all seven of our listeners will listen to what you have to say. Seven of them, okay. I think we're up to seven. Yeah, we got two in England. I know that. Uh, well, they don't count. <laughs> so so okay so our first guest and our only guest once again is uh is jason lewis and jason you are a member of lodge 43 yep in lancaster pennsylvania which is a very very old lodge um larry and i our lodge actually was formed out of lodge 43 yep. um, when they had too many members back in the 1800s we kind of like spawned off so you know what uh, you know? You were mentioning you, you sell guitars, and we put a picture up on 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 the site. And you know, you're a you know, you got tattoos. You're you're kind of like not the stereotypical looking nerdy kind of mason that we know and love. So, what kind of got you into Freemasonry? Man, um, well, I grew up in uh, in Erie, PA, much like your guest last week. Uh, even though we never crossed paths, but I grew up in Erie, and in Erie, there's a Shriners Hospital, so Freemasonry was very visible you know everybody knew about freemasonry didn't have anybody in my family at least that i knew of that was uh you know a mason and uh, my, my dad's other family was catholic so you know there was knights of columbus stuff happening and uh but nothing on my mom's side of the family i grew up in my mom's house and at one point i had found a cousin that was a mason and he owned a bar so we would have a few conversations here and there but honestly i was more interested in playing rock and roll and getting drunk so I moved to Philadelphia, hooked up with uh, Guitar Center. I worked with uh, Guitar Center, a big retailer for years. That's how I ended up out, out here in Lancaster. And uh, it was funny. I had a, a really good friend here, and we kind of had a falling out. And uh, my kids were really close to him as well. So, you know, they, they told, uh, it said, you know, we really miss Uncle Jay. Can you, uh, can you figure it out? You guys are grown men and bury the hatchet. So we did. And uh, we started, you know, getting back together and you know, have some dinner with the family. And I heard through the grapevine that, you know, I was like, wait a minute. I heard that you joined a Masonic Lodge. What is that all about? And we met over coffee. I mean, that was on a Friday. We met for coffee on Sunday and my petition was in on a Monday. So, you know, it was something that I had always been interested in, but it was kind of out of sight, out of mind as I was working on my career. I also had, a, you know, got real sick at some point and uh, have you know made a full recovery there but just freemasonry wasn't something that was even on the radar until you know kind of rekindled the relationship with a buddy of mine and and here we are and he uh he couldn't even sign my petition he was just uh 
getting his degrees at the moment. He wasn't a master mason yet. So that was that was it. So, so what? Um, so I guess that was kind of like you say your friend is what kind of drew you in. Yeah. Now your lodge does have a lot of younger members. Yes. So what do you? What would you attribute? You know what? Most Masonic circles, people are talking about. You know what is attracting? How to attract younger members? Yeah. So we're willing to. We want to hear like your take on it. Yeah, absolutely. You know when I was a, a general manager. You know, we always kind of joked, you know, we, when we talked about some diversity in the stores, you know, we always talked about don't fall into the trap of, of hiring people just like you. It's very easy to hire people that are just like you. And, you know, masonry isn't necessarily bound by that same uh, adage. And, and I think that, you know, there are already some young folks in our lodge and they attract their friends. So you get one or two young guys that covered in tattoos into the lodge. And then all of a sudden, you, a year later, you have 15 guys that are covered in tattoos. Yeah, I'm covered in tattoos, but I'm not the only one. Uh, and I'm probably not the most covered one. So I think that, you know, before I came on board, there was a few, a few younger guys that, uh, you know, whether it be a connection through church or connection through work that, you know, got attracted and just, you know, became exponential, uh, you know, younger guys starting coming into Lodge 43. And then I also think, you know, there's been a lot of conversations, uh, especially in a few other Masonic podcasts out there. You guys will have to do your homework and go dig them, you know, and find them. But it's been a lot of conversation about the generation, you know, the generational gap and how millennials and even young Gen Xers, uh, some of their core values that kind of align with their generations can also be found in Freemasonry. You know, like they're individualistic, but they work really well on a team. Everything they do you know, need some sort of meaning and, uh, you know, the other, uh, respect, you know, millennials are all about respect. And I think that older generations respect was earned and millennials kind of expected right out of the gate. And Masonry gives you that. I mean, the minute you join a lodge, you have hundreds and if not thousands of brothers that are, you know, as we say on the level, uh, but the, the qualifications for friendship and respect are already there just built into Freemasonry. So I think it's really attractive for young folks. You know, my mind stopped. <clears throat> my mind stopped at the tattoos. I'm still on that. I'm sorry, I didn't hear anything you said from that point on. <laughs> well, you had mentioned you went made a trip to Japan about a year ago. My brother did, not yeah, me. You, yeah. no, not you. Yeah, you wanted to go though. I, I, yeah, yeah, I, I, and and he brought up a, a topic that would actually had you gone to Japan, you would have been a very special person right. because of the tattoo. You want to tell us about? That? Yeah, absolutely. So. You know, we do a lot of business in Japan. My, my brother, the CEO of our guitar company, was there in the spring, and we have an opportunity to possibly go in the fall. And, uh, I mean, aside from having tattoos, I'm also, you know, I'm a larger guy pushing, you know, 375 pounds. And, you know, when he said my brother might come, meaning me, might come, next, you know, in November for the guitar show, uh, they looked at him like he was crazy. And they said, well, how is Jason going to come? He's like, well, what do you mean? They're like, well, he's... He's fat, <laughs> and uh, and he's covered in, in tattoos. And uh, now we'll be a guest. We'll be at their booth. We won't be at ours. We're just their their distributor, so they carry a number of brands. And they said, you know, if he's going to come into the booth, he needs to cover his his tattoos. My brother's like, why? It's the twenty first century. What's the matter with that? And there's still a stigma over there that you know tattoos are associated with you know the yakuza. Well, yeah, either organized crime or just you know seedy people in general that the older generation that comes to do business with them will not even, you know, Japanese people, from what I understand, you know, are very, you know, they, they're, they don't say much, you know, so they'll just avoid you. 
right? So they'll walk past the booth, see the guy with the tattoos and not come do any business. So they were very concerned about me coming over. Well, maybe you can go and like and stand in like the Gibson or Gretsch booth. Maybe. To well, kind of yeah. defer customers to yours. That and the fact that of being big, it's almost considered rude to be a big person in Japan because it's so... It's so populated that, you know, how dare you take up the space of, you know, three people? Well, that's probably the most American thing we have going for us. <laughs> right. So, I mean, the invitation is still there. We just, you know, we, I have to go in long sleeves at their request. And it's their booth, so I'll do whatever they want. Or I'll stay home. Well, that's that sounds fun. <laughs> <laughs> I do have to say, I, one of my things I, I talked about, Lodge 43, besides having like a lot of younger members, you know, a lot of the younger members, they, they have been hit by this plague of um, the hipster virus. And for years, I was always like anti, anti hipster. And the guys made me so angry because the guys that are in the lodge are really good masons. And I found that I could not be mad at them. Yeah. Like I wanted to like, like, like grab people by their man bun and, and be, be a hateful, hateful bigot towards something I just don't understand, like every old grumpy person. But like these guys are so dedicated to the lodge and they are such good masons. I'm like, damn it, I, I, I'm the bad person. <laughs> yeah. So. You know, it's, it's interesting. You know, I, I, another belief that I have, especially with the younger guys coming in, you know, there's a lot of talk about, well, this generation, you know, is probably going to be the first generation that's not as well off as their parents. And you have a lot of guys coming in that, you know, are, are early on in their career or they don't have, you know, the financial stability that you would, you would think of a Mason, you know, 40, 50 years ago. And they don't have anything. And then you walk into a lodge like 43 where we have, you know, these amazing antiques. We have, you know, James Buchanan's Bibles and correspondence and medals. And, you know, we have it, it's something that they immediately, you know, they get if they want to get a key to the building, they can come in and they can they can be important and have these things that that are theirs, you know, they, they pay their dues. So it, it immediately becomes, you know, assets of theirs that they may not ever have in their life. So I think it's really, really attractive to come in and be a part of an organization that's almost 300 years old and a lodge that's, you know, a little over 200 years old. You brought up a point about James Buchanan and uh, people who are not necessarily around from central Pennsylvania, particularly Lancaster, James Buchanan was a president of the United States. Yep. And his home is in historic Lancaster at the Wheatland Center, I believe it's called. It's a museum and so forth. And uh, they built that, uh, he built that long before uh, current presidents get about $55 million to build their own. <laughs> yeah, so this one is, uh, isn't anything like that. But you celebrated, uh, I think once a year, you celebrate the Lodge 43 lays a wreath at... Uh, the uh, it, it's either the historical society or one of the organizations around Lancaster that does, and and we go. We don't participate, but we show up. And uh, you wear your tails, on. your bow ties. I mean, your aprons, your jewel. Yeah, you do all of that. So it's a very, very uh, kind of a very good or uh, very nice uh, day that you spend out there. Yeah, and there and we we go and and we you know we don't sit, we stand and. And uh, we don't really, like I said, we're not we're not active participants. We just go there to, to show our respect. And uh, President Buchanan, incidentally, was a Freemason in Lodge 43. Yep. Uh, he was part of that rebel movement that almost got kicked out of the Grand Lodge ooh, way back in about the, what, the early 1800s. Oh, they pulled his warrant for three days. Yeah, they did. Yep. Yeah, they did. But he and his legalese and so forth went in and convinced them to... Um, put it back. It's kind of neat because in Pennsylvania, like we talked about last week with Seth... Um, Pennsylvania masonry is designed not to be fun. There's 
it's totally dry. There's not no alcohol in the buildings. But when you look at like the old the old notes on the wall, um, signed by Buchanan when he was master and like authorizing, um, you know, two pints of brandy and authorizing like cigar cigars and booze for the meetings. That uh, it's like man, where it would have been a lot more fun to be a mason back then. Yeah, I think he he liked that a little fun. So your lodge is coming home three hundredth birthday. No, we started in 1785, so what are we, 230, 230 Okay, so, but now? you have some big celebration coming up, don't you? Well, this year is the 200th anniversary of Buchanan joining our lodge. Okay. And so, uh, in honor of that, we got dispensation from Grand Lodge for our worship master to wear a white bow tie. Uh, Buchanan was never seen without his... Uh, standard issue white bow tie. So we we had a little presentation with our our forty. I'm sorry, our fifty and sixty year members. We also presented our uh, master with a white bow tie. That's probably the most exciting thing that we have uh, going on this year. And we had talked about you know jokingly about making a um, making a new degree, like yeah. kind of like a, a BS degree. Absolutely. And then you know maybe that'd be the thing. Like you could present a white bow tie at the end of the. Uh, yeah, but there were some interesting things. So you were tell us a little bit. I know you're not the the be all end all expert in history. No, I'm not. But so the dates are all going to be wrong. But sometimes we're in the Civil War. I'll let you get finished. Yeah, absolutely. So hopefully I can do our chaplain proud because he this is his his baby. But during the Civil War, the uh, Confederates had come through and taken York, and they wanted to travel over to Lancaster to get access to Lancaster, Harrisburg, and 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 most likely Philadelphia. And they had pushed the Union back over. You know, the essentially what is Route 462, the Columbia Bridge now. Um, at the time, I think it was called the Wrightsville Bridge, but it was the only bridge. The 30 wasn't around, obviously. So it was the only way to get over the Susquehanna. So they pushed us back. They pushed the Union back, and the Union bombed the bridge, and it was unsuccessful. So they decided to burn it down. So they burned down the bridge. The Confederates are stuck over on the York side, and all the militia and all of the servicemen uh, in Pennsylvania were on the other side of the shore. So, you know, Buchanan had, had just left the office and uh, his, his home, Wheatland, was, was left unprotected. So there was nobody because everybody was over on the Susquehanna. So Lodge 43 uh, got together all their firearms and their pitchforks and what have you and actually uh, stood guard at Wheatland while that conflict uh, took place. And ultimately, burning that bridge saved Lancaster, but, you know, at the same time, 43 was protecting Wheatland. So we have a picnic, our, our first picnic this year in honor of that on the Wheatland grounds. We worked with uh, whoever the curators of Wheatland are now. I understand, and, I, and I'm pretty sure by reading history that I did, that James Buchanan was never married. No. He was and not. that his sister his niece. formed his niece. His niece was his first, first lady. lady. Okay. And there's a lot of rumors of, of Mr. Buchanan's... Um, what team he was playing for, I guess, is the... Is the is Georgia. The, yeah. He yeah. was playing on Georgia's yeah. team. He probably would not be allowed to be a Mason in Georgia. Um, let's just say that. Um, but yeah, yeah, he was... Uh, he's probably happy because he was always regarded as one of the worst presidents in the United States history. And right. arguably, we've had a few recently that may be challenging him, I don't know, depending on your political affiliations. Yeah, not a great president. Good Mason, though. Yeah, no. he was a good Mason. Yeah. And um, oh, Larry's trying to signal for a potty break. I like how how secretive he is about that. I can't hold it any longer, guys. Please. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll come back. We'll take a short break for Larry, and I'll see if I can get him um, a bucket, a wide mouth Gatorade bottle, and uh, we'll be right back.
Today, more than ever, the fate of nations is led by a cabal of individuals and corporations. From the price of gas and basic necessities continually escalating, people are feeling like puppets with a chosen few pulling the strings. In other words, follow the money. In a fascinating work of historical fiction, The Red Serpent chronicles how the rich and powerful have prevailed through the centuries of history. 5,000 years after Sumerians bury the greatest wealth of knowledge the world has ever known, traces of it surface in the 20th century, along with omens and executions. The Vatican is in a frenzy to possess it. A secret society will stop at nothing to control it, and innocent people are doomed by obscure connections with it. In a bizarre quirk of fate, an obsessed French policeman, an alluring philology professor, an ex-Mossad rabbi, and a powerful Jewish family join forces to solve a triad of ancient puzzles. They must battle their way through Europe, outwit assassins, and dodge overwhelming foes. But how do they convince governments to aid them in their quest? What if they run out of time? And can they pull off the phenomenon that will change civilization forever? The Red Serpent by Larry Maris is available at Amazon, Amazon Kindle, and Barnes & Noble, plus fine bookstores everywhere. And we're back. Uh, we're back. Uh, Larry, um, you, did you wash your hands? Um, no, go back and wash your hands. So we're back here with Jason Lewis, um, and we are just talking about President Buchanan in York County. And actually, during the break, we were discussing how much we would like to burn that bridge right now again. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> sorry, York. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I mean, there's, I guess it goes back in history to England. Lancaster County is called the Red Rose City. York is called the White Rose City. So it goes back in history, the War of the Roses, and I guess we kind of always had a rivalry with York County because of that. Um, nowadays, they're known for shootings, and Lancaster's known for stabbings. So we kind of have that little rivalry going on. We're a little more hands-on. It might be that Pennsylvania Dutch work ethic we have that, uh, you know, but... <laughs> so Jason, one thing, so you've been a Mason for just over a year. Yeah, not very long. And some, we found out this morning that uh, you must have made eye contact and you are now secretary of your lodge. I am now secretary of How my lodge. How in the hell yeah. did that happen? Uh, man, so when I joined, you know, my, my friend Jay, who got me in, and like I said, he couldn't even be a recommender for me at the time, uh, but he jumped right in line. And when I joined, he said, hey, by the way, you know, there's the, the opening bottom rung officer position open for you, which is Tyler. And I was raised in, uh, became Master Mason in January, but uh, my name was already on the bulletin as Tyler when I wasn't even Master Mason yet. So I jumped right in and everybody, oh, don't do it. You should just take your time. And which I have a lot of respect for that, for the guys that take their time and do Blue Lodge for a few years. For me, I would hate to spend you know, half a decade or a decade in one body and then realize that, man, all the fun is over in Grotto. <laughs> so, you know, I've joined as much stuff as I can this year. I'm not, I'm not done, but I'm, you know, I'm going to check everything off here pretty soon. Uh, so in any event, you know, I was Tyler and our secretary was uh, struggling a little bit with some of the uh, digital aspects, you know, putting the notice together or getting some, some of the stuff that I could do very easily, um, uh, 
from home on my laptop for him. So I assumed the role of, you know, Tyler and assistant secretary and assistant secretary, I think is becoming an unofficial, maybe soon to be official officer in Pennsylvania, at least kind of get, I'm not speaking for Grand Lodge, but it kind of seems to have that vibe that it's an official. Well, you kind of have like, like the secretaries tend to be kind of like the age of the crypt keeper. Right. And don't understand all the modern stuff. Yeah. And, the younger guys understand the modern stuff, but don't understand the archaic ways of Freemasonry. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, so 43 had, um, you know, we, we, we had, a, we had a different, we had a long time secretary and uh, before my time. And since his leaving, we've had one year secretaries over and over and over. So, you know, it's, it's a, it's a big, it's a big job and it's a lot of stuff to learn. And there's, there's a secretary manual that's written in, you know, Greek, and it doesn't really, there's no user's manual of how to do it. So I started helping. Um, as every Pennsylvania secretary knows, we just recently switched from our old, old legacy system, you know, that's pretty much a, you know, <laughs> a black screen and, and green letters, uh, you know, old, old computer system to managing our database of membership in salesforce.com. What I find interesting is the fact that you've only been in for two years, right? Not even, but yeah, and yet they made you the secretary of the lodge. That's just usually not the biographical picture of your secretaries of lodges. Usually, they're yeah. past masters. They've right. been in there for thirty years. They're in their sixties. They're going to probably die as a secretary, or they're going to get so old they're going to forget things. I mean, that's happened. And you, you're not. You don't fit the profile of what a, a secretary of the lodge should be. No, no, and I. Uh you know, when I started helping with, with some of the membership stuff, it, it just, it, that's a world that I, you know, Salesforce, even though Salesforce.com is a, a sales tool, it's really useful for, for what we do and having run, you know, not my own business, but running a, a, a large company uh, retail location. I mean, those, that skill set really helped in the secretary role and it was, it was a good fit. So then the question obviously came up, hey, do you want to do this next year? And I, and I said, sure, I'll give it a shot. And, you know, at the time I wasn't working for the guitar company, but I was working for a local magazine and I was an independent contractor for them. So I was able to uh, work from home and do magazine work and do, you know, secretary work. And there's no way that I would be able to do the secretary now if I didn't have the ability to work from home and, and set my own, you know, my schedule a little bit more rigid with work now, but it's, it's not, it, it still has some flexibility to let me do this and yeah. do some other, you know, I do a lot of other Masonic stuff as well. So I tend to see, you know, most secretaries fall into one of two categories. The one is the former past master or multiple past master of a lodge. And they run, they run the, they run the, um, the show. And the, you know, whoever the master, they just consider like a placeholder for the year. And the, and then the secretary is the grumpy past master running the whole thing. And it, you know, that's not great. The other option is I see secretaries that are completely like just scared to do anything. And the, they were relying on the master to tell them what to do, which isn't really that great because you know, the masters come and go and they don't really know what they're doing when they first get in there. So Yeah. God bless you. Good luck. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it, it's fun. You know, and it's my first year and I'm really close with our master now. So that, you know, it helps. Who knows what next year and, and a few years uh, after are going to look like, but it's been okay for now. Well, you'll have a period of about two or three years when actually they'll never want to replace you. You got to right. understand that. You could be there until your 60s and 70s and yep. you lose your mind. <laughs> yeah, and I, I do want to go through the East. It's been, it's been known that, you know, I don't want to be there forever. I think that to get... 
the lodge, you know, back to smooth sailing. I'll, I'll be there for a couple of years. And if I'm there for a couple of years, I just might go for the six so I can get my past secretary jewel. But in the meantime, I'm going through the line and lodge perfection. So yeah, but you know, you know <laughs> incidentally, Jason, you don't really need to become past master. You're going to run the lodge anyway. Well, yeah, from a, you know, recognition standpoint. And for sure all of you, nice. for all you past masters and current masters, sorry. <laughs> The uh, I got to put my past mas- my past grumpy past master hat on this week, and I had um, I, I butted heads with two separate secretaries this week. Um, you know, I, the, the secretary of our lodge. First thing is I, uh, two people came up to me with petitions. So in Pennsylvania, we're still try to be old school. We don't solicit. So if somebody comes up to you and asks you about Freemasonry, you help them out and you talk to them. You give them a petition. Well, magically, I got two petitions. So I wanted to bring him to the lodge, and I was told, um, well, you need to now have the full amount of the application, the petition fee, the first year's dues. So in our case, it's $325. You need to have that with the application. And I'm like, what? Like, we've, I've never done that before. I've probably brought in over 100 men into our fraternity, um, and I've never done that. And, you know, so it's one of these supposed new rules. I just can't find it written anywhere. Um, But I said, well, you know, it's a really hard sell to tell somebody in May, I need you to give me $325. You don't have to come back to the building and get your degree till September. So we're going to hold on your money for four months. So then you have to show up at a building with no windows. When you get there, we're going to take all your money and your valuables from you. We're going to make you dress in a silly outfit and, um, you know, hopefully you'll uh, get your money, but, you know, hopefully you'll get something out of this. Meanwhile, we're sitting on a million dollars in our trust fund that, um, you know, we really don't need the 325. Right. Uh, but anyway, we get that straightened out. And yeah, I, think, then, um, I think that's a misinterpretation of the one day class. Yeah. So we got that, we got that straightened out. And then I, um, I've been going back and forth with the, the secretary of a chapter recently uh, apparently I've been, because I know what I'm doing with the internet and, and events, I've been asked to help out with a chapter table, table chapter. And, uh, apparently it's impossible for them to give me a list of the email addresses because I don't know, it must be like, it must be like, like top secret. So, I mean, I set up the event right and everything and, you know, so back and forth all week, nobody wants to help me. So I just, uh. From what I understand, though, table chapter is going to be off-site. Yeah, well, I I resigned from it. So. Wow, gotcha. <laughs> I only need to offer to help four times and not get the help. Not, not, <laughs> nobody, yeah, it's fine. I don't need to keep banging my head into that wall. So that, that's my exciting secretary battle this week. You never win. No. So yeah, that's good. You We're know, a tough bunch. You know, that, you know that as secretary, <laughs> you'll become omniscient and know everything. Exactly. So, Larry, what's next on our agenda? You're Mr. Uh, we're trying to follow your rules here. I think we need to take a very short break. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, we got to do the newscast, and we're going to do that lead into us. So this is a great lead. So we'll be right back. The Masonic Light Podcast is sponsored by MasonicScarves.com, home of unique Masonic-themed soccer scarves. Our scarves aren't printed. All of the artwork is knitted into the design. We can also do custom-made designs featuring your local lodge or commemorating an event. These make a great gift for visitors, members, or for fundraising. 
visit our website at MasonicScarves.com and click on the Shop Now button to see our full catalog. At checkout, use code PODCAST and you'll get $5 off per scarf. www.MasonicScarves.com It's time for light news, all the news not fit to print, and a worldwide global audience, which means if we piss people off, don't let us know. Uh, we're, we're about to celebrate, or actually have celebrated. This is really good because this is the, the meat of everything, the 240th anniversary of the Illuminati, a secret society that has actually now turned as an internet meme. According to the gospel of the internet, and we all know everything in the, in the internet's true, if there's a triangle or a seeing eye, it's probably the Illuminati. There was an article written by a reporter, Mike Brown, back in May of this year, and it had mentioned that the, uh, the founder and the one that wrote all the books and so forth, Adam Weishaupt, the founder of the Illuminati, probably never thought that his group would one day be associated with marijuana, Mountain Dew, Major League Gaming, and if you believe everything you read online, the Illuminati counts a boatload of big names in its ranks. Beyonce, Snoop Dogg, Lady Gaga. 240 years after its founding, the Illuminati now has a crazy popular, and is a popular internet meme. If you go in there, they have millions and millions and millions of hits. People love conspiracies. Speaking of conspiracy... Weishaupt was a German philosopher that was born in 1748, and he was rumored to be an imposter who killed George Washington and replaced him as a U.S. president. He would surely have traded his spot in the $1 bill to score his own internet meme, which brought him more worldwide popularity than being president of the United States. Much of like the Illuminati itself, life works in mysterious ways. Happy birthday, Illuminati, whoever and wherever you are. What the hell was that? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, uh, I don't know. They're like, there's, they're, you know, whenever you watch like Dan Brown or you watch any of these uh, movies, they always try to tie the Illuminati in with the, uh, with the Masons. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, unfortunately, I've never seen it. I've never nope. seen anything. I've never, like, we can't. We can't even organize a breakfast or dinner chapter. We're not, you know, I think world domination is a little over our pay grade. But, um, hey, if I get to hang out and smoke weed with Snoop Dogg and Beyonce, I might be up for it. <laughs> be a fun oh, degree. We've got another, that would be a hell of a fun degree. <laughs> got another news report here. Oh, uh, we can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> Mason leaks. Secrets of Mason spilled French media to expose the highest ranking Masons. The Grand Lodge of Paris was targeted by hackers who stole thousands of secret documents. Then they sent those documents to journalists. Earlier this, earlier this month, the French weekly magazine L'Express announced that they had the documents and would be sharing what they contained. The data dump is known as Mason Leaks. Journalists say it can take months to complete a review of all the contents. The site contained a single chilling line about revelations of a secret government determining a new world order. So that Illuminati report wasn't too far off there, was it? 
really, I mean, like, I don't foresee the French being in the leaders of anything. Well, it's been long rumored that Masons have infiltrated the highest levels of government around the world and that they continue to shape public policy. But the idea that they are architects of a new world order, that's been highly criticized and we all know can't be true. So are the Masons a fraternal organization that gathers for fellowship or do they have a deeply sinister purpose? French police are investigating the crime as a cyber attack and criminal charges could ensue. So, uh, Larry, how could, how could this even happen? I mean, who's got these, uh, who can hack into these very secure Masonic um, TRS-80 computers? Well, you know, the French are uh, really well known for their impenetrable barriers against their enemies. I mean, I heard the Pope went to visit last week and they surrendered. So, <laughs> like, <laughs> they're not exactly known for their... Uh, for, uh, you know, standing up and, uh, but sorry, France. That's all the news that's uh, fit to print, not fit not to print this week. And uh, again, uh, thank our foreign correspondents for all the help that they've done. So that's it. Thanks for listening to the news. Well, thank you, Larry. Thank you for whatever that was. And we're, we're <laughs> I'm, I'm still kind of in awe of, of that segment. Did your wife write that? Did your wife write that for you? Oh, uh, she helped. Oh, I bet. Yeah, okay. <laughs> This is why my wife does not listen to the podcast. Uh, no, my wife doesn't either. There's a reason for that. So, Jason, what do you have coming up in, uh, in, in the Masonic world or your personal world next little bit? Oh, man. Uh, meetings, meetings, stated meeting for 43 next week. And uh, we'll give a shout out to something. Um, you, uh, you, were out, you were on the internet wearing a t-shirt the other day uh, celebrating uh, your rare disease that yeah, you have. Yeah, absolutely. So, t- so let's like make our 10 audience members a little, make the disease a little less rare. All right, like, cool. What do you got? So, uh, I mean, in, not what do you got. What, what, do, you, what do you got? In, uh, in, in, two, in 2000. You didn't get that in Atlanta, yeah. did you? Uh, no, 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 I didn't get it in Atlanta. I should have gave it back in Atlanta. In uh, 2009, I had, uh, I had a stroke, and I got uh, diagnosed with a really rare brain disease called Moya Moya, which is a uh, Japanese. Was that, was, that's not the uh, Billy. Hawaiian, isn't it? No. Is that the Billy Idol song? It might be. No. Moya, my, Moya. my understanding is it's Japanese for puff of smoke, which uh, describes the imagery when they do your CAT scans and and angiograms and all those uh, tests. But uh, basically, my internal carotid arteries have closed on themselves for no apparent reason. And I had 3% of the blood flow that I should have had on the left side of my brain and about 30 on the right. My left side is completely shut at this point, and my right is going to be shut in, in a few years, I would assume. So I had um, a couple of life-saving surgeries. The the disease is, is – there's no cure. It's permanent. It's possibly terminal. Um, but these – Surgeries, much like a heart bypass, uh, my blood flow comes from off the side of my face through a hole in my skull and onto some healthy portion of my brain. So, yeah, pretty crazy. Uh, super rare and uh, affects a lot of kids from newborns and, and up into their teens and tends to lay dormant and reappear in uh, 30s and 40s. So, you know, I'm definitely the adult demographic, but uh, we're finding new cases. You know, they're coming out of the woodwork. Um, so we're finding out it's not as rare as we thought, uh, but I think the doctors are starting to, you know, see some of the cues and the, the, the clues and the symptoms and uh, being able to diagnose it a little bit quicker. So right now they're just on diagnosing. They don't have any kind of uh, treatments or any kind of... Thing. No, just the surgery really is uh, the only treatment. And uh, there's a couple different procedures for these surgeries, but uh, and there's some doctors out there that think that the... Uh, 
the surgeries don't work. Um, that actually happened to me here. I was kicked, not kicked out, but they booted me out of LGH and said, there's nothing we can do for you. Go hug your kids and take an aspirin and cross your fingers. And I actually ended up going to Stanford Medical Center in California for my surgeries, very much like a Discovery Channel, you know, health crazy story. So yeah, but kids are getting diagnosed uh, and treated uh, all the time now. And, you know, it's still a horrible disease, but you know, there's some, some light at the end of the tunnel, but no, you know, we, we haven't nailed down any kind of like genetic marker or being able to test uh, other than doing an angiogram and seeing like the actual brain anatomy change. So, wow. yeah. It's always good to have a good depressing note at the end of our no, podcast. It's, <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's good. Cause you know, it's sad for the folks that are, uh, you know, that are afflicted with this disease, but you know, we're a strong group and a nice internet community and, and some of us that are more local, we get together and, and, uh, was there like a number of how many people you, that, that, that I know? Yeah, or, like, or just they estimate, like, how many people in America are suffering it's this? A, they're saying it's anywhere between one and one to two million. So okay. our main uh, support group, uh, if you want to join us on Facebook, World Moya Moya Day, um, which was just passed. That was May 6th. And uh, we're trying to make that official. And But there's, I don't know, we've got to have two, 3,000 people that are a part of that online support group. And Whenever we find somebody new, they try to connect it with somebody who's, um, you know, like a high, a highly, a, a more, I don't want to say more successful, but there's a lot of folks out there, myself included, that, that the surgeries went really, really well, and we're, our lives are pretty much back to normal. And uh, we kind of act as, as a, a point of contact for people in our area if, if, you know, they need some support or want to meet somebody. So Yeah, it's definitely helpful. I, I didn't really understand support groups before until I had something. Yeah. I've got a very rare kind of uh, thyroid cancer that doesn't respond to normal treatment. So, uh, you know, if I would have had this 10 years ago, I would have had five years to live. But, you know, things have progressed enough that uh, I'm in some clinical trials and, you know, so I should be around long enough to torment you guys for a, for a good long while. But, but the, uh, you know, it is really nice when I, you know, in these groups and, you, and you're, you're seeing people that have been dealing with this thing for longer. Right. Um, you know, and yeah, it's, it's the success stories and yeah, the, there's bad stories too, but you know, it's, 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 it's nice to have other people to see and feel like you're all alone. Yeah, absolutely. Geez, I'm glad I don't have any of these kinds of problems, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Larry, you're more you're more mechanical than human by now. I mean, like <laughs> you got like artificial shoulders, hips. You got like a diesel engine in your heart. I don't know what's going on over there. Uh, I don't think of it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so if, if we're all alive next week, we'll uh, we'll be back for uh, for uh, next week's show. Yes. Um, Larry, you have any uh, closing words? Uh, basically, uh, what we want to do here is we do want to give a lot of thanks to our advertisers. Uh, by the way, the Red Serpent, uh, tired of waiting for Dan Brown's next book, Get the Red Serpent by Larry Maris, which is a vibrant novel of action and international intrigue, available in paperback at Amazon. It's very and vibrant. Kindle for $3.99. <laughs> he's whispering scarves um yeah so and, and the scarf business so uh yeah i have masonicscarves.com um i've sold out of the regular blue lodge masonic scarf so if anybody's got an idea um i'd like to redo it maybe make a limited edition every year uh so it's got some artwork sent it in to me um the order of eastern star scarf is fantastic it's beautiful just yeah so we just uh a, a brother named jesse um who works with eastern star 
ran into me a while back, I think at Masonic Week. And we've been in touch back off and on, but uh, he did a custom order of some Eastern Star scarves. And I decided to uh, piggyback on the order a little bit. So just to kind of test the waters. So I've got uh, 20 of those coming in. So if anybody wants one, go to MasonicScarves.com. You can pre-order. And if it looks like they're selling going to sell, I'll order a, you know, a metric ass load of them. Excellent. I don't, Larry, when you're pointing and mouthing words, I don't know what you're saying. You say green, beat. Oh, oh okay. I forgot his schedule. He's a special, a, another special thanks to. Another special thanks to whoever Larry told me to thank. Uh, let's see. Oh, well, we want to thank our producer. He's known as the producer. And um, he also wants me to thank our director named Rocco. Rocco's a Rocco's a Rocco Ruggieri. Yeah. Rocco, yeah, he's a crazy uh, four-year-old Doberman. Uh, yeah. By the way, he fell asleep with a tennis ball in his mouth. That's his job. I want to also thank uh, our news director, Ima Blather, and our foreign our foreign correspondent, Nana Worthy, who takes her life in her hands every day. I have no idea what this man talks about. Um, <laughs> So big thanks to Lancaster Podcast Studios, who uh, lets us record in our downtown facility. And um, and also now, uh, and finally, a special uh, thanks to the people who keep us out of trouble. Possibly out of jail. Hey, you know, what's really close to here is the former jail that makes Lancaster one of the most infamous places on earth. Is that right? The last of the Conestoga Indians were, um, were for their own safety, were gathered together and put in the jail that's less than a block from here. And, of course, an angry mob, mob called the Paxtang Boys decided to show up and massacred wow. all of them. Seriously, another negative thing, but it's a little bit of Lancaster history nobody wants to talk about. Uh, we all talk, want to talk. Everything's like Amish and shoe fly pies. It's also uh, genocide. So we've got that going for us. <laughs> so anyway, special thanks to uh, the, the good folks at the uh, law firm of uh, Dewey, Cheatham, and Howe. And have a good day, Tom Magliosi, wherever you are, my friend. Uh, until next time, this is Larry Maris. And this is uh, Evil Pete. Thank you for listening. Thanks, Jason. 